Welcome to the Future of Medicine podcast, where we believe that feeling great and living a long time is possible and that your healthcare should help you get there. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel. My hope is simple, that this show will help you along your journey to becoming the healthiest, strongest, and most powerful version of you possible. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's show. In this episode, Jen Justice and I are going to be digging into the three areas of focus for anyone to be recovering from the quarantine. We're going to be talking about stress management, and we're going to be talking about two secret weapons that you are underestimating, and I can't wait for you to jump into the show. Without any further ado, let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Future of Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel, and I am joined by the lovely and talented Jennifer Justice. Hello. Nurse practitioner extraordinaire. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on today. As always. This episode is called Recovering from Quarantine. This is going to be a fun one. (laughs) I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, I will call this timely and timeless. Oh, I love that. This content because... Mm -hmm. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, um, it may be perfectly in line with our reality as we speak now, as we're starting to kind of come out of the coronavirus crisis and mm-hmm. quarantine. And uh, I think these types of traumatic events for people um, trigger an unexpected uh, shift in their life. Yeah. And as a guy who's been doing ER for 10, 12 years, one of the things I always say is when trauma is upon us, Mm -hmm. there's only one thing that matters, and that's don't die. Mm. The first goal has to be don't die. Right. Survive. Yeah. And as we move through the beginning phases of the the epidemic and this quarantine, and it didn't seem like we were going to struggle with surviving, then the next phase of any traumatic situation is to then go do what's called a secondary survey where you look around for, well, how can we make this situation? How do we identify any blind spots? What what has this provoked? Mm -hmm. Is there anything we're not aware of that isn't, immediately life-threatening, but certainly very important. Right. And I think that's where we've been maybe for 60 days or so. And here we are on the back end of that. And there's a lot of restlessness and uncertainty and exhaustion and mental fatigue and all of these things. So I just feel like this type of topic is perfect um, because we have some tricks Mm -hmm. and we have some strategies that we're going to be talking about um, through this podcast. Yeah. I love that. I think... You know, everybody's experience through this quarantine has been different. You know, for, for my husband and I, life kind of changed but didn't change because we're both in healthcare. So, mm. um, you know, while our family members were stuck at home and had to work at home and, and you know, their reality um, completely shifted, we were still going to work every day. And, and our weekend routine, instead of going out, was we're stuck at home. So, right. you know, um, which is, you know, stressful in its own way. Um, but Nobody got out of this without being yeah. affected. Right, right. Some people's lives were turned upside down. Some people lost loved ones. Yeah. Some people lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. And some people didn't have any of those things, but certainly 
going to work, I still got to go to the ER right. and work and provide for my family, which is an incredible blessing. Yes. But let me tell you something. Going to work as an emergency physician during the COVID crisis was a whole new kind of stress. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And so nobody gets out of this. Yeah. Unaffected. Right. Yeah. We're, we're all, uh, we're, as they say, we're all in this together. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I love that we have broken down, um, you know, three main, um, what we've identified looking at this kind of from 50,000 feet, if you will, you know, three main, um, things that we can, uh, give people to, to kind of help get them back on track, you know, mm-hmm. whether, you know, and I love this for a lot of reasons because, you know, whether it's, um, we've made choices for two weeks that are not ideal, or we've made choices for two years that are not ideal. Mm. These strategies can be applied to that situation. Recovering from a stressful situation. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So the first one is stress management. (laughs) I think we've said the word stress about 15 times already. Yeah. Well, stress, stress is real. Yeah. And, um, how do you think about stress? Like, you know, I love your approach um, to this, and you've used, used some some words lately that I that really resonate. <laughs> it's it's necessary. We it, try to avoid it, yeah. but we have to have it in our life, right? Yeah, no, it's a dance. Mm-hmm. Um, stress is um, we need a certain amount of stress in our life in order to be productive. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a beautiful bell curve. In a stress response, yeah. Where if, if you're far on the left of the curve, you don't have enough stress. You don't get off the couch, right? I mean, you gotta have something provoking some fear because mm-hmm. stress is just—it's fear-based. It's all fear-based, mm-hmm. and a healthy amount of fear is healthy. Mm-hmm. You you should have a healthy amount of fear of the IRS, of the bank that holds your mortgage, mm-hmm. like the the your job. Mm-hmm. It holds us to standards. It's accountability. So healthy fear, as you increase on the left side of the bell curve, as you increase that stress, this is healthy fear. Mm -hmm. And there's a correlation with increasing healthy stress and increasing productivity Mm -hmm. as the bell curve peaks. But then as you move through the middle and on the right side of the graph, you start to get a decrease in productivity with continued stress. This is what we would call unhealthy fear mm-hmm. or uh, an unhealthy amount of fear with an unhealthy unhealthy amount of stress. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I I just think about stress as the biggest problem as I see it with stress and the way people think about stress is that most people are trying to eliminate stress. Mm-hmm. And stress is part of the human condition. Um and everybody who is successful at moving through this stress curve and keeping yourself right in the middle, that's not stress elimination, that's stress management. Right. And as people continue to become successful in their life, whether it's relationships or finances or professional success, there are always new levels of challenges and fears and therefore stressors. Mm-hmm. And your stressors are constantly being renewed and life is not about achieving a certain level and then stress goes away. No, you have new stresses. Yeah. And stress management to me is an acquired skill. Like you have to constantly work at it. It's a muscle. Yeah. Right. It has to be 
flexed mm-hmm. and pushed against mm-hmm. and broken down and rebuilt and evaluated. And uh, the people I admire the most as I look at them and, and they're managing the biggest projects with the most impact. They have the most on the line, yet they are cool as the other side of the pillow. Yeah. Kind of envy them. <laughs> if you unpack them, there are stressors in their life. These yeah. are very significant but their management skills, the way that they navigate their managerial processes of stress are things to be studied. Mm-hmm. And um, because the lack of management will lead to building of this unhealthy fear and this unhealthy level of stress. And people who are overly stressed are not productive. They're just busy. Yeah. Too much stress leads to busyness, not productivity, and overwhelm and lack of certainty. Mm. It's the opposite of the goal. Yeah. And so while we might pursue less stress as a strategy to get back more into a healthy amount of stress, your goal should never be to eliminate stress. Mm -hmm. That does not exist. So what's the solution? And the solution, as I see it, is just clarity on the priority. Mm -hmm. Most people who are stressed out or who would identify as being stressed out, when you really ask them what they're stressed about, they're going to start naming tons of things. And if you push on each one of them, you will help them see that not all of those are priority. They've lost focus on the main thing. Yeah. I believe Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People said it. The main thing is you got to keep the main thing the main thing. Right. In other words, you need a North Star. Mm -hmm. Everything can't be important. Because if everything is important by definition, you are now saying nothing is important. Mm -hmm. Priority historically is a singular word. It was the most important thing or the next thing. It only recently in human history has adopted a plural version. Uh, You've got to get clear on the main thing. And when you have clarity, Tony Robbins talks about clarity being power. What he's really meaning is, is that when you have clarity on what the most important move you need to make is Mm -hmm. and all of your energy and all of your emotions and all of your resources going into making a powerful decision about the priority, you move the needle. And clarity on priority leads to increased productivity and decreased overwhelm because you know you're locked in. Yeah. And so that's the solution. You know, better stress management means you need to have clarity on your priority. So then how do you find priorities? And very simply, I have a four-step formula. You audit your life for friction, which is one of the words that was <laughs> you, you give me a hard time about. Um, no, I love it because uh... – it's tactical. It's, it's tactical. I don't know. It's just, I can feel well, friction, I, you know? Well, because friction is a feeling. Yeah. I like to use it because it elicits the feeling. Yeah. And I think people, rather than saying, oh, look for things that you don't like or mm-hmm. areas you're underperforming. And yeah, but underperformance triggers friction mm-hmm. in your soul. You're, yeah. And so I like people, and it's not negative. Right. And it's not, it's a very neutral word, mm-hmm. but it's visceral. Like you feel mm-hmm. friction and wherever there's friction, it's probably because you don't have clarity on a priority. Yeah. And what you need to do is find areas of your life that there are, is a, an amount of friction that you don't like. And the first question you need to say is, well, what is this rooted in? Okay. Well, it's always going to be rooted in fear. Is this fear real? 
or is it not real? In other words, is this something that I always struggle with because ever since I was 12, this thing happened or, and I never recovered from that. And therefore I continue to feel this even though it's not real Mm -hmm. or is it real? Mm -hmm. If it is real, then you need to say, is this a mission critical event or is this purely a luxury? Yeah. One of the questions I love to ask is, is this true? Is Is this this really true? Yeah. You know, is that really true? Yeah. That'll really, I mean, you really need to ask yourself, is this really, really, is what I'm afraid of really true? Mm -hmm. That's another way of saying, is it real or not? Yeah. And if it is, if it is true, then great. It is true. Let's acknowledge it's true, but does it matter? Mm -hmm. Because if it's not critical, punt it. Yeah. Just, you've only got so much energy in a day to deploy to all of the things that you have to um, that you're responsible for. And it's very important that we're constantly protecting our energy bank mm-hmm. and not getting sapped by non-mission critical things. And so you audit for friction. Is this true? Is this real? And if it is, is it critical or not? If it's not, then you need to stop worrying about it. It's, it's, it is a decision. Mm-hmm. You decide to stop worrying about it. The next thing is basically if it's real and it is critical and it's causing stress, it's time to innovate or eliminate or to delegate, mm. which is just what I always think. It's funny when you write them down, I'm like, oh, wow, they all kind of rhyme. Yeah, that's, they do. That's kind of funny. <laughs> I didn't know this. Um, but these are great opportunities for innovation. Mm-hmm. This COVID-19 virus working at home. Maybe we don't need to travel for meetings. We can do Zoom calls. Oh, my gosh, we're going to save so much money and travel and time. And I, when I get off the... The call, I don't have to go to the airport and travel home and, and all of I just and then there's my family. Mm-hmm. Innovation is bred out of opportunity. Yeah. Right? And so uh if it's not mission critical and it's real, then it just needs to be eliminated. Mm-hmm. Which is a decision. Or you might need to delegate it. It might be mission critical and there isn't any innovation that you can think of and you can't eliminate it, but there's Something that only you can do that is more mission critical and somebody else can do it maybe 80% as good as you. And I got to tell you, 80% as good as the best is good enough 90% of the time. Yeah. And so step number three is you test the outcomes. What has your innovation, elimination, or delegation done to your level of friction in your life? And if it's gone, brilliant. Move on to the next area of friction. If it's still causing friction, it's time to kind of on a loop, go Mm -hmm. back in, you got to innovate more, you got to delegate more, you got to eliminate more. Mm -hmm. And it's through this process that you will continually protect your energy stores and keep your stress level in that more optimal peak performance, minimal overwhelm spectrum, which is where we function the best. Mm. It leaves room for playfulness. Mm -hmm. It leaves room for joy. Mm. It leaves room for creativity. It leaves room for things that are, that you've been abandoning and forgetting about for a long time that are very important to you. Mm -hmm. And there's a re there's a reason we have these feelings when we get to one way or the other. Yeah. These are, these are triggers and signs that we are out of optimal range. Mm-hmm. And so, I love that. So stress management, it's about better stress management, not stress elimination. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that, that's how I think about it. Yeah, what that's about, great. W- w- what about step number two, Jen? We talk 
uh, people who know us for a long time know that we, for six or seven years, have been really spending a lot of time understanding nutritional biochemistry, really understanding this thing called obesity and fat and what is fat and why do you have it and what's it for and what's it there for by design and how do you get rid of it and what are all the things at play and how can you recreate an environment where your body will allow you to get rid of this fat and our second tip is around maybe one of the most mysterious topics confusing yet there's more information than there ever has been in the history of mankind around weight weight loss fat but simultaneously never more confusion yeah what is our what is our step two number two is fasting and we've talked about this a lot Mm -hmm. um we have a lot of content about fasting i encourage you to go back through the podcast episodes yeah. to our website to our blog I'm not biased at all but it's really good it's good <laughs> <laughs> well we like to talk about it um, and you know we, we've talked to before about um, I will tell you I just I, sorry to yeah, interrupt no, but no. I'm going to interrupt please forgive me no you're fine of all of the content we have ever created and we have created a lot yeah it is not even close the amount of feedback that we get mm-hmm. on the practical value Mm-hmm. that they get from understanding fasting, the freedom, yeah, the lift of the burden. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm done interrupting. And we have, we have a lot of new patients that come in and say, I listened to your you know, content on fasting. I've done it in the past, and I'm so happy to find a provider that supports that. Yeah, I felt really good. You know? And then somewhere along the line, I... Somebody told me it wasn't good yeah. or I didn't get encouraged and I wasn't sure if it was mm-hmm. the right thing, mm-hmm. but I definitely felt the best I've ever felt when I did it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love it as a strategy for reco- recovering from the quarantine because it's easy, you know, it's, it's so easy. It's so easy to implement into your life. And, um, you know, you and I personally use it. Um, and when we talk about ways to eliminate body fat from our body we have to talk about restricting one of the three areas Mm -hmm. as far as um, our dietary restriction time restriction or caloric restriction and you know those are kind of the three levers if you will that Mm -hmm. you have you have to be pulling on um, you know one or two of those at a time to initiate your body into fat burning mode Um, and we we talk about more uh, while what you're eating is very important and we talk about that a lot because um, it's very important. It's very important, and and taking a, a low carb approach and mm-hmm. and how insulin works in your body, and um, you know that that hormone is so integral into whether you're going to burn or store fat. Um, layering that with when you're eating is so important, yeah. right? And creating a schedule for uh, time restricted eating. Intermittent fasting, because they are a little different. I hate mm-hmm. lumping them all together because they really are different. Um, but um, managing our hormones and how our hormones react to food versus calories. Yep. You know, um, I just talked with a female client about this this morning that, you know, um, calorie uh, counting is is really not the best strategy anymore. It's probably the worst. Yeah. Yeah. You it's know. not that you can't do it and be successful. Mm-hmm. It's just very few people are successful because it's right. the worst strategy. Yeah. It's the worst path to take up the mountain. Yeah. You can get there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard. It's going to be slow. 
you're going to have a lot of losses with a few wins Mm -hmm. and only the people who do it perfectly even have a chance. It's just the worst strategy. Yeah. What are, what are some of the benefits you've experienced with, with fasting? Oh my gosh. Um, I would say that the, and this is going to be a nerdy answer. (laughs) I expect nothing less. But I was not expecting this question from you. So I'm going right off the cuff. (laughs) I like. You talk about it all the time. I know, but I've never been asked what are the things I love most about it. Okay. Um, My. The way things are organized in Aaron Wenzel's brain, Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on in there. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) You know. (laughs) There is something about fasting that lights up the areas of my brain that are constantly thinking about biochemistry Mm -hmm. and thinking about nutrition Mm -hmm. and thinking about math and thinking about practicality, thinking about human beings, thinking about rituals and behaviors and rhythms and patterns, thinking about success versus spinning your wheels versus regression. Mm-hmm. Like I have compartments in my brain for all of these concepts that I'm constantly marinating on because most people, these are areas people have to master at some point in their life. Otherwise there's going to be negative consequences. Yeah. Fasting. There is a bright connection between all of them that improves all of them by just doing one thing Mm -hmm. and back up to like stress management, identifying a priority. Yeah. Well, my priority is for people to feel great and live a long time. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly hunting for things that are meaningful and impactful. The, the impact that fasting has on your body at the level of your physiology. Mm -hmm. And I won't go into that here is remarkable. Yeah. Your liver, your muscles, insulin sensitivity, insulin sensitivity at the level of your liver and the level of your muscles. Um, the ability for your body to mobilize fat in that environment. It's stunning. Yeah. The impact that fasting has on psychology, which is uh, managing decision fatigue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Most of our clientele are high level folks. They make very critical decisions. Um, they only have the ability to make so many really good decisions a day. Right. And the fact that we take away 33% of their decision-making in eliminating a meal and snacks right off the top frees them to use that energy for something else that could be more productive while still serving their physiology and their biochemistry. And then there is just your overall, um, the well-being of people. I think you just feel better when you burn fat for fuel yeah. and you get what I call the fasting brain Mm -hmm. and it just lights up. There are many, 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 many smart people out there. The biohackers of the world who are not pursuing fasting for weight loss at all. They're doing it for the fasted brain. Mm -hmm. When your brain is burning ketones for fuel and not glucose there, it burns 
differently. Mm-hmm. There is a, it is a, it's a purer burn. I don't yeah. know how to. I can tell a big difference in, in just personally that, you know, when I happen to introduce carbs into my diet, it's sluggish. Mm-hmm. I feel sluggish. Yes. I don't feel as sharp, mm-hmm. you know, but when I'm fasting or. It's the opposite of that. Skipping breakfast, then I, I actually feel sharper. Energized. Yeah. Sharper. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's almost like my body was designed to do that. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, look, there's math involved and there's biochemistry involved in this equation but this is far more a biochemistry problem than a math problem. This mm-hmm. is not just simply calories in, calories out. That's math. Yeah. This is biochemistry. This is hormones, insulin mm-hmm. sensitivity, responsiveness. Um, and, you know, it's hard to get people to think about that because the calorie dogma has been um, – we have been just saturated with that doctrine for 35, 40 years. Yeah. And to be fair, it's intuitive. Mm-hmm. It feels like it should be math. Mm-hmm. Does the problem is is that there are th- at least three calorie sources for nutrition, and they all trigger different hormonal responses. Mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. although calories are all the same on paper as you define a singular calorie, which is a potential unit of energy, each one of those potential units of energy in the form of a calorie coming from different sources all trigger downstream different responses. So, we don't burn calories out of one bucket; we burn out of at least three. Yeah which means there are rules, mm-hmm. which is why it's biochemistry and not math. Right. I love that. A lot of people don't understand it that way. Listen, it's, hard, it's hard to grasp, you know, sometimes. It, it, it's a very complex subject, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of weeds to get through. And even in, with my physician colleagues and your practitioner oh, yeah. friends, yeah. we're not we're – ta- I mean, nutrition eat, is a chapter. six times a day. It's and... a chapter of a course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's – blown over yeah and so intuitively we feel like oh well it can't be that important turns out it's the game mm-hmm. it's 80 yeah. percent of what you're struggling with it's diet mm-hmm. so if we were to help somebody trying to recover from quarantine yes. implement this strategy my suggestion would be you know start out slow if you can there's going to be an adaption phase yeah um and just First of all, try... It's hard in the beginning. It is. Mm-hmm. I was not a happy camper. Because yeah, you have to change behavior. Yeah. <laughs> and humans don't like to change behaviors. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a mental struggle, you know, after after believing that breakfast is the most important meal of the day or whatever meal you choose to eliminate from this. Mm-hmm. But um, Breakfast is easiest. Breakfast is easiest. and Because uh, um, you're already fasting. Right. Right. And you've so been you just fasting keep, all through the night. It's, it's much easier to just stay where you are yeah. and to create a fasted state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a 16 to eight, you mm-hmm. know, 16 hour fast to eight hour eating window seems to be easiest for people. Yes. Um, and obviously you can play with that and just do maybe 12 or 14 hour fast. Even you if know, you just did at 12. first. Yeah. If you just said there is no scenario ever that I'm going to eat, that I'm not going to have a day where at least 12 hours, I don't put a thing in my mouth other mm-hmm. than water. Mm-hmm. And we haven't had to lean on things like fasting formally prior to 1950 in mass agriculture at scale because we ate dinner as a family at five or six. Mm -hmm. We woke up at five or six. Fasting was built into the rhythm of our life. Right. We were a lot more physical labor, yes. But we we also had a built-in 12-hour fast every day. We didn't stay up till 1231, closing deals, up at 5 a.m., back 
closing deals on the East Coast because that's when my clients get up and, mm-hmm. oh, I'm hungry. I should eat. So you only have a five, six hour fasted window and you're already consuming again. And yeah. then you throw in, oh, I'm supposed to eat every two to three hours. No wonder we're a mess. Yeah. We're constantly fed. Mm-hmm. No wonder obesity is everywhere. Yeah. And if you've been working from home and had the pantry at your disposal, you know, and you've kind of fallen back into that eating every two to three hours, not, you know, no judgment, but it can happen. I worked from home one day last week and was like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) My neighbor called it the (laughs) COVID-19. Yeah. I said, yeah, no man, that's what it's called. COVID-19. He said, no, no, I've put on the (laughs) COVID-19. Like the freshman 20. Yeah. No, but I'm, this is the Mm COVID-19. I thought that was really funny, but It's a complex thing, but intermittent fasting is next to getting your psychology right with managing your stress, committing to a 16-8 split seven days a week with your fasting could be the simplest and most impactful thing you do for yourself. Yeah, I love it. Uh, the The third... Surviving, uh, recovering from the quarantine is really um, the second secret weapon. And the first secret weapon really is fasting. The Mm -hmm. second secret weapon is strength training. Mm -hmm. And this is a journey that I've been on personally um, for a little over two years Mm -hmm. of reintroducing myself into very, very, very technical strength training and wrapping my head around it and immersing myself in this. But no amount of strength training will undo a bad diet. Mm-hmm. You can't outrun your mouth. You cannot. <laughs> a Wenzelism. Ladies and gentlemen, a Wenzelism <laughs> from Gen Justice. That's right. Yeah, no, I mean, no amount of exercise will undo a bad diet. Right. You have to fix your diet first. It's 80% of your health journey. Mm-hmm. However, if you implement intermittent fasting and when you do open your mouth to eat, and you have any ambition for fat loss, you adopt a generally low-carb lifestyle, and you layer in strength training three to four days a week, you are going to get – it's not additive. It's, it's, it's exponential. Mm-hmm. It's not one plus one equals two. This is a one plus one equals 27, mm-hmm. you, more logarithmic, because it's – the impact – of strength training in a fasted state or in a fasted environment combined with low carb, low insulin, you allow your biochemistry to thrive. Mm -hmm. And, um, so similar to fasting, what you're saying is there's a, there's a what, so how to do it mm -hmm. and how often and, and kind of a, um, cadence to that, but also when is super important. I, I really believe that's actually a great distinction. Mm -hmm. Strength training is really important, but when you can layer in your strength training at the peak of your fasted state, you really allow, not allows not the right word, you force your body to dig into and mobilize the fat that is stubborn. Mm-hmm. When you carb load right before a workout so you have more energy through your workout, you're not burning fuel from your fat. You're burning the peanut butter and jelly sandwich you just had. Right. But going into a fasted workout, yeah, you might be a little sleepy. Mm-hmm. You might not have quite the pop in your energy. Have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Because the energy that you generate will be from fat, mm-hmm. which is what the goal. We're not working out, unless you're a power lifter, you're not working out 
to reach your personal best. Mm -hmm. What you're working out for is to be strong and to be lean and fit and powerful and get rid of excess visceral fat. Yeah. You can't do that in a fed state. Yeah. And this is something I've personally had to embrace and I feel very proud of myself that I You should be. I worked on this during the quarantine. Jen has been killing it. Well, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for noticing. But uh, it's only because you see my Apple Watch stuff, you know. <laughs> it's called accountability. I know, and I love that. I have yeah. several accountability partners, and that's that's probably another strategy in itself. But We talked about doing it because you deserve it. Yeah. And <clears throat> you want the end result. It has nothing right. to do with wanting to work out. Yeah. Yeah, but doing it first thing in the morning has mm-hmm. been really good for me. And yeah. this is something that I've kind of fought to the death. Yeah. Because I don't really want to do it at 5 a.m., but... I feel much more energized. I have much more mental clarity. My body fat is decreasing faster. Um, and uh, I love just getting it out of the way. For most adults who have responsibilities other than taking care of themselves. Yeah. There are a few exceptions. But the, the majority of people, if you don't work out first thing in the morning mm-hmm. before life in the world wakes up, you will not work out. Nope. There's, there's no contingency plan for the end of the day. You no, know. and life will happen. I yeah. promise you that. Mm-hmm. And whether it's distraction or fatigue or something else that takes the priority, it, it won't happen. Yeah. And when it does, it'll be suboptimal. Yeah. It'll be 50, 60% effort. You're tired by You're then. tired. You've got the weight of the day. You're tired in the morning, but you're tired for different reasons. Mm-hmm. You just haven't turned it on yet. Yeah. You're tired at the end of the day because you're spent. Right. And... There is something about pouring those first fruits, those forcing your body physically. I don't care that you want to not work out. We are going, I'm going to go challenge you physically. Because when you come out of that and then you start the day, mm-hmm. your odds of winning the day are very close to 100%. Yeah, It's hard to make big mistakes if you put a bunch of work in before the rest of your family is awake. Yeah. It just is. And like fasting, this there's an acclimation period. There's an mm-hmm. adaptation period. If you're not used to, if you're a little sleepyhead in the morning and you like your snooze and you've got patterns and rituals that are poor sleep hygiene, mm-hmm. um, you're going to have to work on those. Yeah. But, but that talking about majoring in major things, these are priorities. These mm-hmm. should be priorities. And one of your stressors might be, I don't like that I don't work out in the morning, but I also am a sleepyhead and set 12 alarms. And I'm like, that's where you should be looking at better management. Yeah. And there are things that you can do. Um, I, I think that in general strength training, you've got light intensity, moderate intensity and heavy intensity. And so there are all different types of exercise. The problem as I see it is most people go right to the moderate in other words, running on a treadmill. Right. The static, steady state cardio. Which is the most ineffective <clears throat> of the three and yeah. the highest risk of injury. The uh, human beings were designed for two things. One, powerful, explosive, fast movements mm-hmm. like chasing a deer or running from a bear. Mm-hmm. Like the extremes but very explosive, um, quick, powerful, and putting a backpack on and hiking for 30 miles mm-hmm. in a day to go to the next village. 
slow, steady, could probably do it forever. Yeah. Could just walk forever. Light intensity working out like walking is actually very beneficial. Mm -hmm. Not only is there a slow caloric burn, so there's some energy expenditure. There's a lot of stress management Mm -hmm. going on. There's a lot of decompression. There's a lot of thoughtfulness time, processing time. Um, For for a lot of people during the quarantine, it was... I just need to get outside. I'm so proud of my neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, the entire neighborhood are going on two, two three, four walks a day. Yeah. Many studies have shown that diabetics who do a 30 minute walk one hour after meal mm-hmm. have a major reduction in their hemoglobin A1Cs because your body's consuming all that free sugar and now you don't need medicines. The walk lowered your blood sugar. There are so many benefits. Yeah. And as we get older and it's too high risk to train heavy, Light exercise, thank goodness we're built for walking. Yeah. I would much rather see somebody walk than run on a treadmill. Oh, yeah. There are a handful of people, and when I say handful, a very small minority of people who were designed by God to be runners. Mm -hmm. They have just the right amount of muscle mass, just the right amount of weight, the right hinges and joints and ligaments and tendons and knees and hips that they can run and seemingly don't absorb any of the negative impact but the majority of people who run a lot end up with bad hips knees and ankles Mm -hmm. and it just is the it just is what it is it's over it's not bad it's just the most overrated exercise there is i would much rather see you walk or do high intensity which is more burst strength that can be done with weights it can be done with body weight Mm -hmm. The, the name of the game is resistance however you can create the resistance um my go-to in the quarantine was and still is because my gym is closed are are just youtube videos hit hit workouts where you use your body weight my goodness (laughs) i'm dying huffing and puffing (laughs) yes and so the three things that i would give people as the way to think about your strength training from a hack come from a dear friend of mine who's taught me a lot A guy who knew a fair amount of strength training myself took some graduate level lessons from uh, a guest of our podcast several times, Zane Griggs. We've Mm -hmm. talked about him all the time. He introduced me to fasted workouts, which we've talked about, which basically means you're going into your strength training regimen with at least 12 hours of nothing to eat but water or coffee. Right. Um, You just biochemically are leveraging the advantage that you have that you're in a fasted state already and that the fuel source that you will be mobilizing will be glycogen from the liver which you need to deplete deplete glycogen from your muscles which you need to deplete and then you're going to get into fat stores yeah which is what you want Mm -hmm. Uh, the second tip is again by zane which is volume at fatigue That, that the way muscles work is that you break them down so that you can trigger a downstream neurologic and hormonal response. Mm -hmm. And the way we do that is the way muscles break down is you fatigue them. Mm -hmm. So rather than going to fatigue and then fully recovering and going to fatigue and then fully recovering, you go to fatigue, you rest for 20, 30 seconds, you go right back into it. Yeah, but I'm a lot weaker. I know. (laughs) That's the whole idea. And you lift heavy enough to get to fatigue. Yeah. And so... Maybe something that you're strong enough to get 10 to 12 reps the first time, but you're coming back 20 to 30 seconds later and you can get 50%, mm-hmm. like six, and you're, you're at, you're, you stay at fatigue. And then another 20, 30 seconds, 
and you go for six again. You do that cycle twice, that body group is done. Yeah. And what you've done, though, is spring-loaded those muscles to receive the, the neurologic feedback mm-hmm. and the hormonal feedback to actually grow stronger, which will increase insulin sensitivity, which will increase your lean mass, decrease fat mass, like all the things that we want. Yeah. Um, so fasted workouts, volume at fatigue, um, and then a post-recovery, post-workout recovery meal, which is not... I don't think of it as a meal. I think about it as a post-recovery strategy, mm-hmm. uh, a post-workout recovery strategy. And um, through some insight from Zane and some of the other things that I have learned over the years, I think of the number 30. Mm. 30 grams of protein, 30 grams of glucose within 30 minutes of your exercise. And I don't think of it as a meal. What I do is I think about it, I'm giving back my muscles enough protein and glucose to reload them Mm -hmm. with glycogen and energy so that they can begin the healing process immediately. Yeah. And it speeds up the recovery process, which is going to put you in position to hit it again quicker. Right. And so fasted workouts, volume at fatigue and a post-workout recovery meal using 30 grams of protein, 30 grams of glucose and uh, within 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. What does a post-recovery meal look like for you? Yeah, so um, four scrambled eggs mm-hmm. and um, one slice of real uh, whole grain bread. Mm-hmm. It's almost – I'd have to do the math, and you're asking me to do math live, and that's going to be a problem. No. So, <laughs> uh, but that's three to four eggs mm-hmm. and – a slice of toast or th- three eggs, three to four eggs, and um, yeah, I think an uh, egg has a like sweet seven potato. grams of protein per egg or something. A that sweet makes potato, sense. yeah, that sounds delicious. Or, actually, or or th- three or four eggs and a cup of white rice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's not to eat; it's purely to hack the biochemistry of muscle recovery. Yeah, um, I love that. That's great. And again, back to the the whole purpose of this particular episode, and I, I hope people have found value in this. I mean, we're really talking about something that is forever going to be something that we need to get better at as humans, and that is surviving, thriving, and then recovering from traumatic events. Mm-hmm. The loss of a loved one, mm-hmm. the sudden loss of a job communicable disease that shuts down the world's economy you're going to forever as long as you're a human there's going to be a risk of your world being turned upside down instantaneously which is going to categorically shift the challenges and the fear and the stress which will immediately affect your psychology and your decision making and we will begin scrambling and absorbing negative impact from things that we haven't had a chance to process or think through. So having a step-by-step plan Mm -hmm. that you can deploy when life gets turned upside down will never not be useful. Right. And if understanding that I've got to get better at managing my stress and the way I'm going to do that is get clear on the priority And the way I get clear on the priorities are I audit my life for friction. Mm -hmm. And 
we, I, I asked some really hard questions like, is this real? Yep. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if it is real and it is true, then is it critical or is it a luxury? And if it's critical, you say, is this something only I can do or can somebody else do it at least 80%? Do I need to innovate? Do I need to eliminate this thing or do I need to delegate it? And then you test the results, test the outcomes, and then you re-audit. If you can do that constantly, mm-hmm. you will always be set up to rapidly recover from traumatic events from a psychological standpoint. And these psychological stressors that lead to behaviors that you don't normally participate in, whether it's a lot of alcohol consumption to stress relieve or a lot of pantry perusing because you're working at home and snacking and takeout and everything is off. You're gaining a bunch of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, fasting simplifies and gives big return on investment from fat elimination and optimal biochemistry and simplicity and energy preservation for decision fatigue. And there's no excuse ever not to find ways to strength train, even if it's your own body weight Yep. that you either need to be going on walks or doing resistance type training, taking advantage of a fasted workout of at least 12 hours, really finding a weight that gets you to fatigue and then getting right back into it mm-hmm. 20, 30 seconds later. So you get this volume at fatigue and then strategically you eat to recover after these workouts with 30 grams of protein, 30 grams of glucose within 30 minutes. And I think this really puts you in a position to always be at or actively recovering towards this optimal version of you. Yeah. And, and and I think that's why we do what we do. Yeah. And um we love the word optimal. Well, is there a is there another word? Is there a better way to be? No. The What are we doing? Yeah. If, if we're not pursuing <laughs> the best version of ourselves. Yeah. Then we're just surviving. Right. I mean ants survive. Yeah. I want to thrive. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. This is the only lap around the track we get. You don't get another. Mm -hmm. And you're not promised tomorrow. That's right. So for me and the people that I have the pleasure of taking care of, and I know you feel the same way. Yeah. We're constantly pushing for a better, more optimal version of you. And that likely will include a more optimal way to manage your stress, Mm -hmm. a more optimal way to think about the way you feed your body and utilize fasting and a more optimal way to remain powerful and strong. And that's through your training. Yeah. And when you can combine good psychology and good diet and good training, I'm pretty sure life could throw you any curveball, and you're sitting back on your heels and you're going to rip it out of the park. Yeah. Cause you have the tools Mm -hmm. like life doesn't promise us that there won't be problems. Yeah. We just need to have the tool belt and, and the right psychology will go a long way. Mm -hmm. And if you have the physical body that will serve you and when you call upon your physical body to perform, that's somebody who's going to not only not die in trauma, they're going to thrive during the second survey and then they're going to quickly recover. Yeah. 
And these are the people from the outside that seem to just be flying and they don't get knocked off their track. Right. As if life is happening for them, Mm -hmm. not to them. Mm -hmm. But that's not by accident. Yeah. So this was a good one. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me on and helping people with these skills. I love what we do and I love this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I know this stuff works. Yeah. This is human stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't Wenzel and Jen justice and Brentwood MD stuff. This is human stuff. Yeah. And, um, awesome. Famous last words, Jen. <laughs> you always put me on the spot. No, I don't. I just, we'll leave it there. Cause I always like to hear what you have to say <laughs> as a last parting thought. <laughs> oh my. Well, um, Awesome, guys. I hope this was valuable. Um, Listen to it again if you need to. We will have um, a blog post um, utilizing all of our show notes, really diving into outlining some of the things that we talked about today so that you can study it, map it out, and, and keep practicing. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Take care. I want to thank you so much for your attention. Listen, I don't take it for granted. It means the absolute world to me. You can find out more about today's episode at brentwoodmd.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, all the related links to this episode, and tons of other resources. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And if you've already subscribed, then it would mean so much to me if you left a review. If you think we'd be a good fit to work together, or you would just simply like to know more about the concierge services that I provide my private clients, email us at membership at brentwoodmd.com. And now for the obligatory disclaimer, this podcast is for general information only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or the giving of medical advice as no doctor patient relationship has been formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should seek the advice of their own medical professional providers.